I think I've sung that one before. But those words, boy, they bring tears to your eyes, don't they? Because you're, how, how did that go? Your mercy and your grace, because they go on forever. All glory to your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They're sufficient for today. Hallelujah. Oh, is God good or what? Amen. Thank you. Elsie. Elsie and singing with her, Sarah and Vicky and the musicians. Wow, we needed that, that new song, at least new for me. Beautiful. They go on forever. They'll never run out. Never. His mercy and his grace. In the field of economics, there's something called Stein's Law, named after the famous economist Herbert Stein in the 1970s. And it goes like this. If something cannot go on forever, it will stop. Well, that's pretty profound. (laughs) If something will not go on forever, it will stop. Well, it's finally dawned on Karen and me that the privilege and joy of pastoring this parish cannot go on forever. And so today, we announce that it will soon stop. We praise God every day we wake up. Not just for waking up. By the way, I'm happy every day I wake up, aren't you? There's nothing wrong with that. But we praise God for the privilege it has been to pastor this congregation we have come to love so deeply. And I'm talking about you. The Pioneer Memorial Church. I just realized they, 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 <laughs> they sent me a message from the, from the uh, mezzanine room. They said, you got something on the corner of your lips. So while I'm talking to you, these opening lines, I'm pulling it out. And now it's in my fingers, and it's a piece of chapstick. <laughs> and so my, my fingers are greasy. But at least I'll turn the pages easily in, in, in the homily to come. <laughs> Sorry for that little diversion. But I, I want to tell you, just because you're so understanding, is it still there? <laughs> I want to tell you that this has not been a job for me. This has not worked for me. This has been a joy for the both of us, for Karen and me. You are people that have, have, have been so patient with us. You have been so, so loving. You've had a vision. You've been driven by this commitment to serve God all over this planet. And uh, I just can't believe that, well, there's no campus congregation like this anywhere on the planet. And I've been to a bunch of them. Which is why we've been so privileged and humble to serve here. What's hard to believe is that 39 years have flown by. Man, man oh man. 39 years from, from when we were this. Thir- 39 years from when we were this to this. Right here. No, don't look at the screen. To this. <laughs> Oh, boy. And in a few days, hard to believe, but our 40th school year will begin in this pulpit and on this campus. And what a ride, what a journey it has been. But the time has come for making the carefully laid plans 
that are necessary to turn this congregation over to a new leader, a younger leader. Back in May, I had the joy of sitting down with my conference president. His name is Jim Mitchiff. He's a wonderful leader. Just love the man. And I shared with him what I'm sharing with you now, our decision, and explored with him what the next steps need to be. And Jim reminded me of something you already know. And that is Pioneer is an unusual congregation, not only serving this local community, not only serving this local state, not only serving this local country. This is a congregation that has been raised up by God to serve our world community of faith, which means that the search process to find a new spiritual leader will will not only obviously be prayerful but must be methodical and comprehensive as well. Some of you are going to sit on that search committee. And by the way, let me just say it right here. I am going to have zero to do with the search process. Trust me. But they're going to need some time to conduct a thorough search for the next pastor of this congregation. And so Karen and I are actually really grateful for the nine months that we get now, this school year that begins September 1, that'll be nine months, that we get these nine months just to to live life with you, to love on you a little more, to go deeper with God a little more, to wonder what God's will is for our lives beyond this moment, all of us. Where do we go from here is the title of this little homily today. Where do we go from here? We told our pastoral staff, I shared with our pastoral staff, this decision. And by the way, the best pastoral staff on this planet, bar none. You're lucky to have them. I shared this decision with Andrea Luxton, who's, with whom it's been, a, for me, it's been a joy to serve these years. I shared this decision with our office team as well. And I, I want you to know everybody is committed to working together so that we might together, all of us, finish strong. And as it turns out, I didn't know this until I was crunching the numbers after talking with uh, Jim Mischief, my president. I began my ministry as a single, not yet married to Karen, wet behind the ears, 21-year-old intern, pastoral intern. I began my ministry on June 1, 1973. Most of you were not even born then. 1973, June 1. And as it would turn out, We began our ministry at Pioneer. I had no idea this was happening, but we began our ministry at Pioneer on June 1. I went on the payroll, June 1, 1983. Ten years go by, then we come here. And so if you do the arithmetic, we can just last till June 1, 2023. It'll be 40 years here and 50 years in ministry. And that seems like a good place to just say, some things can't go on forever. But praise God for the gift he gave us in you. So the song we sing around our house is Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow. So this is not a goodbye, folks. Come on. We got work to do. We got projects to finish. And we've got deeper to go with God. We've got to just keep going deeper with God. And so there'll be time over these few months to uh, love on each other. Stories to tell and all of that. But uh, speaking of which... There's, speaking of work to do, I need to get a homily preached right now. Because as soon as this homily is over, we got to go to Chicago where I'm going to preach another homily this afternoon. 
The uh, North American Division, public affairs, religious liberty directors have come from all over the continent. They've been meeting in Chicago. They said, do I come on over and speak to us? And we're going to have a big religious liberty rally in the Shiloh Seventh-day Adventist Church. So that's going to be a privilege and a joy as we drive over there. And they said, please, Nick Miller and uh, Woody Woods, they said, listen, make sure you invite your members to come. Now, I know you're not going to drive over there, but if you'd like to go online, you just go to the Lake Union website, and they have a little bar at the bottom of the front page, and it says events. Click on that. It'll say American Apocalypse and Religious Liberty, and that's us. It starts at 4.30 Central Time, 5.30 our time, and you can watch it uh, on live, live stream. I wrote the message just for this occasion on the nearness of Jesus' return, stuff I haven't even shared with you, so you can join us. And with that, if it's all right with you, I'd like to pray and plunge into the Bible together. Oh, God. Wow. What can you say? You have been so good to us. Your grace, your mercy have been sufficient from the get-go, and it will be that way forever. And the truth is, God, we've really grown up together, this congregation and this pastoral couple. And you've been more, you've been more than gracious. And you have more growing up to do in Christ. So, so please make these final months and these moments right now a part of that growing up so that we grow up in Jesus, our our Redeemer, our Savior, our forever friend, in whose name we pray. Amen. There's a beautiful narrative about Jesus that i got to share with you. It's it's very rare. It uh, It only appears in one gospel. But I'm... I've been convicted over the summer. We need to spend the time that we have left together with a laser like focus on Jesus. There are four lines that I've memorized that uh, I I don't know to whom to give the credit, but these four lines are sort of the desire of my heart. Since my eyes have looked on Jesus, I've lost sight of all beside. So enchained my spirit's vision, gazing on the crucified. That's what I want for the last months together. We'll start out with three Sabbaths on brooding on Jesus, and then I'm really excited about this when the new year begins, chasing Jesus, three Sabbaths, and then we'll have um, pleading with Jesus and triumphing through Jesus and, and worshiping Jesus. So it'll be Jesus front and center. But for this one, as I say, only one little gospel, and that's the gospel of Mark, so open to Mark chapter 8, only one gospel records this. I can, you might wonder why in the world would such an unusual narrative be recorded. We've got to find out, you and me. So come on, let's go. Mark chapter 8. We've got work to do. Mark chapter 8, drop down to verse 22. I'm in the New International Version. And it, and it reads in the NIV, and they came to Bethsaida. That's Jesus and his disciples. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. You know what I'd like to suggest? I say that let's, draw, let's tear a page out of those anonymous friends' playbook. Do you know somebody who's blind? I'm not talking about physically blind. Do you know somebody who's spiritually blind? You have a child? You got a roommate? You got a neighbor? You got a colleague on the job? You got somebody across the street. Do you have a friend who's blind? Of course you do. Of course I do. Why don't we just do like they did? Let's take that friend to Jesus. Let me tell you something. If there's anything our friends need, it's the Lord Jesus. And if there's anything Pioneer needs to be in the journey that's left with us, 
Is this, this needs to be mother, the, the mothership for salvation on the campus of Andrews University. Of course, the, people are thinking about saving, saving lives in the dormitory worships and in the chapels and, and in the vespers and, and in the classrooms particularly. But this church has to be front and center for that. Boy, I, I wish you had been here last week, first service. Beautiful young woman. She was baptized. Her name is Sarah Arika. And I'm learning as she's given her testimony on the big screen that, that that girl sat in this audience, this congregation, one day, and when that number came on the screen, text, text to this number, she texted. And you know what she put in that text? I want to be baptized. When you come to those moments at the end, you say, well, I'm not going to do anything. There are people all around you for whom the Spirit is saying, yo, boy, girl, isn't this the time? Preacher may say not a word about baptism, but the Spirit says, let's, let's go. This mothership needs to be all about salvation. And the, the friends of this anonymous blind man, their prayer is simple. Please touch this friend of ours. Okay, read it again. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him outside the village. Isn't that something? Wow. Touch number one. He took the blind man by the hand, and he led him outside the, the village. I love that. That is such a tender picture of Jesus. You know, he could have come behind the blind man and said, listen, man, I've got you by the shoulders here. I'm just going to be pushing you. Just keep one step in front of the other. I'll keep you from falling. He could have done that. He could have moved on down. Yo, just follow my voice. You you know where I'm going. Just stay right behind me. What does he do? He reaches out that warm hand to Jesus and takes your warm hand. He says, listen, let's go together. Man, I'd love to know what they were talking about in that walk. Somewhere along the way, there was a hymn written. You remember this? He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Do you know that one? Come on, how's the chorus go? He leadeth me, he leadeth me. By his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be. For by his hand he leadeth me. I mean, who wouldn't you want to follow if his warm hand took yours and said, just stay with me, boy. Just stay with me, girl. I know where we're going. Go with me. And did you notice where Jesus led the blind man? What does it read here? He, he led him outside of the village. Have you noticed something? Something. Sometimes Jesus seems to work best in our lives when he can get us outside the village and away from the crowd. Too much noise. Too much distraction. Now, I happened to be in church during my summer break, a study break. I happened to be in church, and it had, you'd have to have been in the second service, when a young woman sitting right over there stood up. And she turned around to where noise was coming from, and she spoke these words, I can't hear, and I'm trying to concentrate on the preacher's message. It was another preacher up front. So would you please be quiet so I can hear? And I want to have you trust me, you could have heard a pin drop. And by the way, let's be clear. Just because crowds get noisy, that isn't because they're bad people, but in their exuberance of being with each other, the noise level goes up. And Jesus knows that. So he says, I need to take you away from the crowds. I need to get you out of the village, just you and me. 
Guess what? When you and I wake up in the morning, he has the same longing. Hey, come on. You don't, no, 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 don't look at that news feed. You don't have to check your social media posts. Come on, leave that radio off. You got a clock radio, leave it off. You, you don't need to catch anything right now. How about no crowd? Just you and me. Every morning. Our problem is the crowd is always with us. The electronic devices, the noisy social media friends, excuse me, devices. You've got to be as courageous as this young woman was. I was proud of her. You just have to, you just, you just have to announce, hush, nobody. This is me and Jesus' time. Hmm. Be brave. Give the speech. You'll never regret it. Keep reading. So he took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him, Do you see anything? Now, this is the yuck factor that gets introduced into this miracle. You can't believe it. <laughs> on the man's eyes. And then he touches them. Imagine my surprise to learn this from the Boston Globe. This is something else. You may think of saliva simply as lubrication for your tongue or a good adhesive for spitballs, but it's a surprisingly active substance with immune properties. It contains immune cells, antimicrobial and antifungal proteins, and growth factors that promote wound healing. Quoting someone, there's a, medical, there's a medicinal value in saliva that's not appreciated, explains David Wong, a saliva expert and director of the Dental Research Institute at the UCLA University of California, Los Angeles. That helps explain why a burn or cut in your mouth will heal five times faster than a similar wound on your skin, skin and it won't leave a, a scar. You've noticed that. Now, Jesus is playing along to the, to the, the cultural folklore medicinal belief, and that is there's something healing in the spit. And so he says, okay, we'll do spit then. The miracle was not the spit. It was in that touch. And then Jesus asks, yo, you see anything? This is where the story turns fascinating, unbelievable. And he looked up, the blind man did, and he said, yeah, yes, I do. I see people, and they look like trees walking around. Now, if you're the ophthalmologist, is your work over yet? Clearly not. Keep reading. And so once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was, was restored, and he, saw, and he saw everything clearly. My, oh, my, oh, my. That great gospel hymn writer. How did he put it in that classic Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound. He made sure John Newton did that in, that before the, the first stanza is over, we're going to sing the words, I once was lost, how's it go? But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Do you see anything now? I can see clearly now. I can see clearly now. Wow. What's going on here? This is the only two-stage two miracle Jesus ever performed in the Bible. Two stages. Touch one, he takes him by the hand. Touch two, he spits in his eyes and touches them. But touch three, Jesus retouches the partially blind man's eyes, and then he declares, I can see clearly now. There has to be a reason for this rare two-stage miracle. Maybe if we sat around long enough, you and I, we'd come up with three or four or five. Let me just share two with you, all right? Reason number one, could it be that the reason 
the miracle is recorded is that you and I tend to be stage one blind people. By that I mean we hurry into Jesus' presence each day. We know where the power comes from. We come begging Jesus to grant us his healing touch in our minds, our lives, our hearts. And God bless the Savior. He does that. He touches us. And we sense something in our souls. And the moment we feel that touch, we are off our knees. Turn the crowd back on. Let me hear that music. Come on. Let's go. I got touched. No, you have half a miracle which is why you are half blind most of the time. What are we blind to? We're blind to how we misjudge people's motives. We we misunderstand them. Well, she meant this. Well, he meant that. Hmm. We mess up many a relationship in the home, on the job, because we don't have time to brood very long in Jesus' presence each morning. How sad. Doesn't Jesus, doesn't he use the word abide in me? The, the, uh, the NIV uh, translates it, remain in me. In other words, linger in me. Come on, stay, stay, stay. Do you know that some food is only good when it is slow cooked? Isn't that true? Yes. Yeah. Some stews, some broth, some pot roast is not good unless it's slow cooked. Guess that's true about Jesus, too. Okay, I'm going to suggest there's two reasons. So here's reason number two. Could it be this two-stage miracle is intended to be a reminder that not all God's doings, his intervenings, are finger-snapping quick? Yo, got it. No. Could it be that sometimes God draws out his response to our prayers? God draws out his response to our pleadings in order to test our faith, in order to toughen our trust. Draw it out. Don't give them yet. Don't give it to them yet. No. I mean, why else did it? Hey, listen, come on, you tell me. Why else did Elisha tell that pagan Syrian general named Naaman, go down to that dirty Jordan and I want you to dip how many times? Seven. Why didn't he just say go down and dip once? It's Israel's water. No. Why does he say seven? Would two not have been enough? Would three not have been enough? You remember that Naaman went grumbling. He went grumbling. And his servant said, yo, master, please. If he had told you to do something like climb Mount Everest, you'd have done it. So this is simple. Why can't you do it? So Naaman goes down once. The leprosy's still on him. Twice, three, four, five, six times. <sighs> no, it's still here. What's going on? The mighty God of this universe is taking that pagan heart. He said, come on, boy. You got to trust me. Come on. Let's grow this thing. Now, seven. Healed. Maybe that's why God doesn't give us quickly what we want, even in prayer. I mean, take, take Elisha's predecessor. So who is Elisha's predecessor? What's his name? Elijah, right? I mean, Elijah, you remember Elijah on the summit of Mount Carmel, God, in answer to one very short, simple prayer, God nukes that summit. Boom. The evening sacrifice is obliterated. One hour later, same prophet, same prayer, kneels down on his, on the summit of Mount Carmel and says, God, it's good to have the fire. But this land needs healing. We desperately need water. You promised me there'd be water. The famine, the drought, stop it, send rain. Isn't it amazing 
Elijah, the great Elijah, kneels down, and in one prayer that got brought fire, guess how much rain it brought? Zero, nada, nothing. He says, servant, go back. Guess how much, guess how, guess how much rain comes with two prayers? Nothing. You know that it goes all the way through six. And after six times, he says, go look one more time. And down he goes to pray the seventh prayer. And what happens? Ellen White draws a veil aside about the dramatic battle going on in Elijah's mind while he's praying seven times. Watch this. The servant watched while Elijah prayed six times. That servant returned from the watch and saying, yo, master, there is nothing, no cloud, no sign of rain. But the prophet did not give up in discouragement. He kept reviewing his life to see where he had failed to honor God. He confessed his sins and thus continued to afflict his soul before God while watching for a token that his prayer was answered. And as he searched his heart, Elijah seemed to be less and less, both in his own estimation and in the sight of God, until it seemed to him, this is where God is always going in your life, this is where he's always going in my life, until it seemed to him that he, Elijah, was nothing and that God was everything. Then, when he reached the point of renouncing self, while he clung to the Savior as his only strength in righteousness, then, then the answer came. Some of you have been praying for something, and only you know what that something is, you and God. You have been praying for something for years. Don't quit praying. Don't quit praying. Two stages are going on here. God is drawing you closer. He's drawing you in. Hey, hey, sir, don't, don't give up on that prayer. Madam, why are you stopping now? Keep searching your heart. Keep renouncing any selfish motive in me, oh God. Help me to keep renouncing it. Anything that's obstructing your ability to answer my prayer, never give up. If it's a two-stage prayer or a seven-stage prayer or a ten-stage prayer, you never give up. You know why? Because every unanswered prayer is God's opportunity to grow your faith in him. That's why. He's growing you. He's growing me. No, don't give that to her. Don't you give that to her yet. No, 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 no. But you keep praying. You keep praying. So where do we go from here, the few months that you and I have together? Shall we not seize this divine opportunity together to go deeper with Jesus? Hmm? I'm going to be candid with you right now. There's one prayer I'm not sure has been answered yet. For 39 years, I have prayed this prayer. Off and on, I'm sure. Perhaps even more off than on. But I have prayed for God to send a mighty spiritual revival to Andrews University and to Andrews Academy and to Ruth Murdoch Elementary School and to the Pioneer Memorial Church. I have prayed and prayed, and I must confess, I have wondered, am I not praying enough? I have wondered, are there not enough of us praying Is there sin in my life? Too much self, too much ego. Man, if we gave Dwight this, he'd say, see what I did? Ah. Am I not trusting Jesus enough? 
I'm not asking you to answer my own personal questions. But I'm telling you, I too need this two-stage miracle from the Lord Jesus Christ. I need the miracle to draw me deeper, closer, stronger. Please, come on, Dwight. What's your hurry? Peter, could you not have watched with me for one little hour? Stay with me. Stay with me. And I will be the God of promises kept if you'll stay with me. That is so God has your attention for what I'm about to say. (laughs) Don't worry about it. I'm going to put two verses. The good news is we got power everywhere else but that. Yeah, they'll work on all that in post, uh, post-edit, so don't worry about it. But what happened is that God needs to give two words left to this homily, and here they are. And they're not my words. They're, they're words of Jesus, words of Jesus. This is beautiful. John 15, verse 5, on the eve of his execution, he will be dead this time tomorrow. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Let's read this out loud together. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you abide in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, now notice this, for apart from me, Dwight, listen, listen, Dwight, you got to get this. For apart from me, pioneer, for apart from me, Andrews, from ap- apart from me, you can do how much? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Wow. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and his eyes were opened, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me today. Amen. Amen. I need, I would like to know if you'd be willing to commit to me to pray the prayer that I just told you about for 39 years that I've prayed, would you be willing to commit to it? I'm going to put a number on the screen. Just text brooding one to that number, 269-281-2345, and click the first box because it'll be what, there are only two boxes, but just click the first one. And by that, I will know I got some prayer partners in this. We're going to stick around for the second touch, the third touch, or the fourth touch. It doesn't matter. But we're going to stick around. Would you do that? If you text that, you're watching on uh, live stream right now, just text the word brooding1 to 269-281-2345, and it'll say, my next step today is, and here's the first box. I'll join you, Dwight in praying for a Jesus revival on this campus and in this congregation. Some of you are are far away, and maybe you need to be praying for the revival of your own church or your own campus. But if you want to include include us, we'd be be honored. I'll join you in praying for a Jesus revival on this campus and in this congregation. And then the other box is simple. I want Jesus to touch my heart 
so that I see what he sees and love whom he loves and trust as he trusted. Let's put a check mark. Let me know that you're praying. Hit send. And God himself will register our willingness to stay with him for the long haul, whatever it shall be. Uh, I want to pray with you right now and then sing a beautiful little hymn. Oh, God, please, this is about Jesus. And he chose to do this two-step miracle to teach us something, and we get it. It's not rocket science. We get it. And I pray that you would draw our hearts away from the crowd, away from the noise and the hurry every morning. The first voice we hear, the first face we imagine we see is our Savior. And then, oh God, don't let us stop praying. Keep us coming back with the same prayer again and again until one day you open the windows of heaven. And there will come such an outpouring that there will not be room enough to receive it. Oh, God, keep us faithful. Whether we're together or not, keep us faithful till the last prayer is prayed and answered. In the name of our beloved Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.